Today we'll be discussing the Canadian comedy series This Hour Has 22 Minutes. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment and question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Well, that's what we usually do. But today's a special episode where Ooh. we will be discussing the legendary Canadian comedy television program, This Hour Has 22 Minutes, which will be returning for its 30th season this year. But if that's not enough, this is just part one. So just an entertainment topic. But then what do we got in store for people next episode, Ali? Is it an interview? Is it an interview? It is. <laughs> next week, we'll welcome our special guest, Trent McClellan, co-host of This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Yes, we got an actual celebrity to be on this podcast. I'm just joking. I resent we've had that. Other, I resent that. We've had other celebrities before, but it's 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 amazing. So, so this episode is just going to be talking about our impressions of this hour has 22 minutes. So, should we get started? Let's do it. So, Ali, like we were mentioning in the introduction. This hour has 22 minutes, has been around for 30 years, if you can believe that. I mean, it's it's become an institution here in Canada. So why don't we just talk a bit about it? Why don't you tell me and the listeners, you know, your exposure to it, where you feel 22 minutes is in, in the cultural landscape of the country? It's interesting that it started. I don't know if a lot of people know that. It started as just this sort of comedy special to run alongside or just as a as a satirical show that would be run during the 1993 federal election and now it turns 30 in september a pretty what what do you want to call that fortuitous or serendipitous sort of thing but it's also you know really launched the careers of some phenomenal Phenomenal Canadian icons, Mary Walsh and Rick Mercer come to mind immediately. Obviously, Colin Mockery was part of the show, Nathan Fielder, Sean Majumder. I mean, it's really something very, very special. And I think if, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are like, their focus is American television. And I'm coming from the perspective of, I have pitched a late night show. I have pitched, you know, like a Fallon or a, whatever, a Tonight Show, a late night show. I've pitched those and they just, they are dismissed immediately because they are something that just doesn't work in Canada. You know, having that guess, you know, George Strombolopoulos was the closest thing. If you want something that has like comedy and, and satire and something like an SNL show, this is it. This is the quintessential show that we were able to create. It's unbelievable that we create it in Halifax, Nova Scotia with a primarily, or has been a primarily Newfoundland cast for so long. I mean, it defies all logic that this show exists and it continues to exist. And the reason it does, it reminds me of like, let's say Coronation Street or Heartland or Murdoch Mysteries. You always find people are like, oh, man, I don't watch that show. Okay, that's fine. But do remember that there's millions of people who do. And that's why it's part of our cultural landscape. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's interesting, as you said, the Newfoundland connection, Kathy Jones and Mary Walsh. I mean, these two are two 
institutions of Canadian comedy. They were from Codco, which again, it's one of those shows, we've talked about shows like this before, where it just seemed too smart and too like adult for me to watch. So I knew Codco existed, but I never watched it because like I was, I was, you know, probably in my teens at the time. Like, I don't know about that. It seems too. Uh... Interesting thing about Codco also, Asif, is that I read this recently that Mark Critch watched Codco and saw sort of an opportunity for himself. He saw himself, you know, like we talk about diversity and we're always thinking about people of color. When we think about diversity, seeing yourself on screen, like you and I have jokingly, half jokingly, I would say said that when we saw Apu on screen, it was, it was almost representation back in that time. Like it was like, Oh, one of us, one of our people is on screen. That's what Codco was for Mark Critch. He was like, this is a nationally broadcast show with Newfoundlanders at the helm of it, making really at, at its core Newfoundland humor and more, but but really grounded in 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 the rock and in the, the comedy of that that region. And it made him feel like one day I will be able to do this. It it legitimized his own sense of humor, his own goals in life and, and made him feel like he could do this. So it's like it's not always, you know that led him to comedy or that led him to his current TV show. Because he's also on twenty he's on twenty two minutes now. He's one of the main people on twenty two minutes, but he also has, has been for a very yeah. long time. No, it led him to twenty two minutes okay, is okay. what I was Because he's son of a critch and too, which is his other TV show. I know, but uh, it's like one leads to the know, other. One thing leads to another, right? The book Son of a Critch starts with him talking about how he was in the plane with the prime minister going to the White House. That's how he starts his book, Son of a Critch, talking about how did this happen? How did I, how do I live such a charmed life? And at the time that he wrote Son of a Critch, had no idea that it would become a TV show. Now, if you read Son of a Critch, which I would highly recommend, you kind of know it right away. You see these characters right before you, especially the kids he went to school with. I mean, it's it's all right there. So I was very happy and and not, it was not unexpected. I was not surprised that it became a TV show. I mean... You know, when we talk about the host, as you said, Rick Mercer, I mean, he's became a Canadian icon through 22 minutes. And then you have some of these other people. I didn't actually know Colin Mockery was on it for a couple of years. That's interesting. And then Nathan Fielder, I guess we were talking about this offline, that his whole kind of Nathan for you character, that kind of deadpan, dry, I'm getting the word wrong, but un that kind of uncomfortable kind of mm -hmm. realism and awkwardness. This Ali G type of humor yes, as well, yeah, yeah. where you're just like, oh God. You oh have to God, cover your eyes because it's so yes. uncomfortable. Uh, cringe, yeah. cringe is what I'm uh, cringe, word I'm cringe, looking cringe, for. Course, uh, yes. I didn't realize he that started on 22 minutes, and now he's like an internationally known comedian. And when you think about it, essentially 22 minutes, they did. If you want to boil it down to its kind of basics, they took maybe an SNL weekend update, and that's the majority of the show and how it begins. So the news. Uh, and other than weekend update, there wasn't a lot of this news satire going along in. North American media at the time. And they kind of took that and then they interspersed their skits. So it's it's like if Saturday Night Live is, you know, 20% weekend update and 80% skits, these guys flip that around. 80% news desk and then 20% of skits. And and then you see in the 90s and especially in the early 2000s when the Bush administration came in, then we had the rise of John Stewart's Daily Show, which obviously existed beforehand with Craig Kilborn, but you know, it really took off with Jon Stewart and then everybody who followed him 
Stephen Colbert with the Colbert Report, then John Oliver moving from uh, the Daily Show to his own show on on HBO, HBO and then Sam B, yeah. and then Hassan Minaj, and you know all these people who uh, ended up doing this kind of format. These guys were innovators at the time, and I think it, it kind of gets lost on some people. And again, I think it's it's when you realize that this is like thirty years. I had no idea until we we mentioned this. And I should say that one of our listeners actually asked us to do the 22 minutes, which prompted this episode and you to reach out to your friend Trent McClellan. And sure, we I mean, you episode. know, we appreciate the request, but this was we would have been yeah, it, we would have been remiss any- not to do this. I I work closely with a guy named Edward K. Edward K. was one of the head writers of 22 for a number of years as well, and so 22 is always in my orbit because of Trent, because of Mark Critch. I no longer get a chance to watch it on TV live when it's happening, but I'm constantly on YouTube watching sketches and news desk pieces. Another name, tell me about, I I wanted to, before we get into the the show's impact also and and what it means, what the show means to, to me and you, tell me about some of your favorite characters from this show. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean... I love a lot of the characters. So one that comes to mind, we can just kind of talk about our, our favorite kind of things, but I, I do like Sean Majumder's Raj Binder. Like I rewatched okay, it. That's cringe for me. That's cringe for me. The, the Vaseline slash sweat on his face while he talks to people that would make me cringe. But I would also like, as a, as a comedian, I'm also like, God damn, this is so brave. This is so brave to be talking to these athletes and be where you are be a foot shorter than all of them before they put on you know skates or the shoes and to be right in the thick of it i really thought it was like the bravest comedy i don't know shaman jumper is 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 funny and so quick-witted the way he stays in character but can respond to these situations and i don't on the surface you could say oh he's making fun of south asians i mean sean is south asian so it's but I don't really think that's it. I think Raj Binder is a bit smarter than people that you would see from the surface with his suits and, as you said, the flop sweat. I don't even know how they make him like that, look that moist for the whole time. But, you know, you go back, it's as you said, it's kind of become a YouTube and clip show, right? Like you go back and check out all these ones online. The craziest one was when he, I guess in 2003, four. There was one of the uh, outdoor games when they started doing the outdoor NHL games, and it was the Canadians against the Oilers. And so uh, they were going to do it at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. So he went, and you can see him outside interviewing the fans, kind of interviewing the hockey players. And then the the team photos like we're done and he just kind of snuck on and got into the team photos <laughs> and apparently they were so angry the teams were so angry and because the photos were released to the press and i he got in a bit of hot water about that so uh that's just a classic raj binder but if you don't know what i'm talking about you gotta just you know pause this go on youtube watch a couple of, of raj binder clips and then and then come back to the podcast because it, it it was great so that's 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 one that sticks out to me yeah, I have to say one of my favorite people and and his characters is Gavin Crawford. Mm-hmm. There's no way we're going to talk about 22 without mentioning Gavin Crawford. When he played female characters, I guess he has high cheekbones and then he can just do it because he'll play it. Natasha Stillwell, it's like based on that Daily Planet, Discovery Channel's Daily Planet co-host. 
And when he does Chantal Hébert, now for our listeners who may not know who Chantal Hébert is, Chantal Hébert is a very, very serious political pundit. She is often found on those sort of political panel shows. Very, very serious. I mean, I, I've watched many hours of Chantal Hébert. There's no, there's no humor. There's no comedy there. She's a very, very serious person. And when Gavin Crawford plays Chantal Hébert, it's, it's not even it, it, it surpasses comedy. It starts as comedy, and by the end, it's like an homage. It's like unbelievable what he's doing there. And then he had this character, this, um, this I, I guess, teenager, basically. He was like a, a young... Mark Jackson was this like teen correspondent. He has severe acne. He's always picked on. Mm-hmm. He has a, a, a lisp, and uh, he used to do this character, and I was just like... God, he was so deep in character. He became, I was like 30, 40 year old man, becoming uh, a, a bullied, acne ridden teen in that moment. And it was really, I mean, they, these guys, they, they go so deep in character. And it's, I really, really enjoy it. It speaks to the genius of these guys, right? Because again, most weekend update correspondents are not the cast members who do the other skits, right? Sometimes they are, like Amy Poehler and Jimmy Fallon did it, but they often, were just relegated to the best ones were often just the the anchors and even you know John Stewart not the best actor in the world you know John Oliver these guys have been in things animated movies and they're not the sure. best uh, even Stephen Colbert not the best but but these guys being able to go between those two worlds of of the kind of anchor desk news satire and the skits I don't know it, it's it's a unique skill for these guys and we talk about characters Mark Critch. His Trump impression, if you have not seen his Trump impression, it's mm. one of the best ones going today. Certainly better than anything SNL has uh, has done uh, when Alec Baldwin was doing it. Definitely better than, than Alec Baldwin. It's it's great. He really gets the nuance of a Trump character. It's really great, which is really unfortunate because I'm sure they don't want to lean. You know, it's a Canadian show at the end of the day, and they pride themselves on, I, I mean, it in their defense, Trump did everything he could to become the news, right? He wanted to be talked about constantly. But yeah, it's sad when you're like, okay, I'm sure in the, in the room, they're like, no more Trump impressions, uh, no more Trump sketches. And then they watch Mark's impersonation. They're like, okay, let's do a few more. We got we to gotta milk this thing. It's too good. We got to milk it. I loved Rex Murphy that um, Mark Critch would do too. I found myself in the car often on Sunday mornings listening to Rex and... Mark's just got all the intonations and, and, and even like watching Rex on television, just everything he does with his eyebrow. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to talk about, you know, impersonations. Like sometimes you just have it and other times you work on it. I was listening to Dana Carvey talk about this, how on a Sunday night he'd have it, you know, he'd have some whatever, Al Gore or somebody... And then come Monday morning, it was just gone and he couldn't get it back. And then sometimes it would take zero work when it was just there. And other times it would be like hours and hours and hours of leaning into that character and studying them and studying their movements. So it's, yeah, I, I always think that all of them take hours and hours. Well, you know, we haven't really talked too much about one of the key people we alluded to him before, which is Rick Mercer. I would say he's a good friend of yours. I've met him a few times through you. And, 
it's not a character because it, it really is him just dialed up to like 10 or 11 when he's doing their rants, right? Mm-hmm. The rants are probably what people remember the most about 22 Minutes. And I, I think about this a lot. I'm like, if we had YouTube and TikTok, it would have been the biggest thing on social media, these rants, because they were so insightful, uh, so angry, you know, him walking down the back streets. Searing. And, and, yeah, yeah, searing. What a great word, Ali. Like, yeah, I just, I just loved it so much. And then, you know, I guess we should talk a bit about how sometimes these things on 22 Minutes would bleed into, quote unquote, real life. In one of the jokes, Rick Mercer during the 2000 federal election campaign I guess he was making fun of Stockwell Day because Stockwell Day was going on, oh, we need to have a referendum about this or that. And he, he was saying you need at least 350,000 signatures of voting age citizens. 3% of the electors would trigger a national referendum. So Stockwell Day was kind of mobilizing that, wanted to have a referendum. So then Mercer was like, okay, let's uh, get a petition going to get Stockwell Day to change his name to Doris Day. And let's do a <laughs> referendum on that and see if we could get him to uh, to, to change a, a, his name. And so he did that and basically get to log on to the 22 Minutes website and sign this petition. And they got 1.2 million signatures for Stockwell Day to change his name to Doris Day. And of course, you know, just to kind of prove the idiocy of uh, of, of Stockwell Day. Yeah, really. I mean, that speaks to the show right there. And I think that is you know, in its essence, the most incredible thing about this show. It's like, number one, right in that story, number one is how engaged people viewing this show are. To get 1.2 million Canadians to sign something, come on. That's because it's one thing to watch a show. It's quite another thing to go. And this is like, you actually have to probably get up off your seat and go to your computer, right? This is Stockwell Day time this is not like you had your smartphone in your hand kind of half watching the show half on your your screen you had to get up and go and click on something and you know i mean it's just it's amazing and the other thing is which which to this day baffles me to be quite honest is the access that this show has had to canadian politicians more than anything the politicians i mean i've seen and and Rick Mercer continued it for a decade with the Rick Mercer report. He was just side by side with Bob Ray, and you know they go back. Jean Chrétien as prime minister was there. I remember seeing sketches with him. Various you know ministers of finance, always the almost every prime minister would be there, and you know. That's something because for for some of them they might have been like, oh, this is a show on the CBC, liberal, progressive, uh, you know, left wingers. I don't know if I want to be on the show, but somehow they always got all the prime ministers and all these politicians. And I'll be interested to ask Trent how if that's changed in the time that he's um, he's been on the show. But that is really something. Like you think of like any other country, you think of the U.S. in particular. How are you going to get that? How are you going to get that close to politicians who who know they've done things that are very, very divisive and in some cases blatantly wrong? They still get up there on the show. I don't know how they do it. Do you remember, speaking of which, the Talking to Americans segment 
where Rick Mercer would ask people from the U.S. about Canadian issues, and it was like poking fun about you know the annual polar bear hunt. I think he asked someone at Princeton to sign a petition against doing the annual Toronto polar bear hunt and things like that. Just ridiculous yeah. stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. do you remember what happened with George Bush and Rick Mercer? I mean, he he. That's the Jean Poutine yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Is it? Yeah, some. Yeah, can you? Tell our, uh, our our listeners what that was. Yeah, so basically, it was when George Bush was running for election. So he was the governor of Texas, and he was running to be the president. And so basically, Mercer was there in a, in a media scrum, and he's like, "Oh, uh, you know, uh, what, what do you think about our, our prime minister Jean Poutine supporting your candidacy?" And he's like, "Well, I really appreciate his support, and blah blah blah." And basically, like hmm. Bush was like totally oblivious to this Jean Poutine character. Interestingly, they stopped doing the talking to Americans after. After 9-11, that's what the last time they kind of did it, just obviously for for sensitivity type reasons. That's when they should have started it back up, in my opinion. But anyway, yeah, I do also remember, we haven't talked a lot about Mary Walsh, who she could sell a thousand seats in almost any city in this, in this, um, in this country, coast to coast tomorrow, you know? I mean, she's really become a household name and such a big force in Newfoundland. And one of my favorite things was how you know Marg Princess Warrior showed up at uh, in in Rob Ford's driveway. You know, made she made Rob Ford call nine one one. You know, and he was like, "I'm I'm being abused here in my driveway." And I thought I was like, "Wow, that's that's something. That's something." I mean, Rob Ford, pretty tough guy, hung out with some pretty tough characters, and she broke him down. So I, that was one of my. Uh, that that was a big moment just because Rob Ford's driveway is also very close to where we live. So it was like, oh, that's great. I like this. It's all coming together. And, you know, they have had some other real life influences. I don't know if you remember this. In 2004, there was an MP, liberal MP named Carolyn Parrish, who is part of a skit stomped on a George Bush doll, George W., Bush mm. uh, the second and did voodoo on his head because she said, oh, I'll do voodoo on his head because that will do the least amount of damage. And of course, the conservatives got upset about that when that clip came out and they said it's going to damage diplomatic relations between Canada and the US. And as a result, I didn't remember this. Parrish was expelled from the Liberal Party and she had oh, to no. yes, fill out the rest of her term as an independent. So I'm like, it's like, I'm not sure that would happen today, but you never know, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I was gonna, I was gonna say like, I think if it was the opposite, if it was someone doing it, uh, a, a right wing person doing it to Obama, nobody would say anything. But the opposite sometimes. But anyway, that's probably my political leanings getting a bit too uh, involved in in the opinions here. But uh, yeah, so it's just funny, and it's this kind of when it interacts with the U.S. Suddenly, there's an issue, and everybody gets so concerned. I know. I know. I I think it's important also to remember like a show like this. It's like, it's a machine, you know, Uh, again, Dana Carvey and David Spade have this uh, uh, podcast that I listen to occasionally. And it's, it's the same thing. It's the same format. You just, you have a day off after you go live. And I think, I think 22 goes, it used to go live every Monday night. And I think they've changed that maybe to uh, Fridays. I'm not sure, but it, it used to go Monday night. Then they'd have Tuesday off and they'd party Monday. Everybody has a nice party and then Tuesday off and then Wednesday they're back. You know, let's go. Let's go. We have a show that goes live. I mean, what a, 
that's that's quite an environment. You have a hard, hard day. It's the hardest deadline imaginable. It's like we cameras are going on. Like there's a student live studio audience. We need to give them something. And so when you have a show like that, I think often people will be like, oh, it's not as funny as it used to be and this kind of stuff. We really glamorize the past where we remember like, oh, these sketches were good. But that didn't mean the full hour was like hitting with every single sketch, right? We just remember the best of the best. I think this show still does some phenomenal stuff. And I would, I would even say with Trent on the cast and with a variety of younger people coming in, I think this, it's really begun to reinvent itself in a, uh, in a, in a very important way, in a very funny way. You know, you're talking about these various, I don't know if you, we want to call them uh, scandals, but you know, these various things that have happened, you know, impact that the show has had uh, larger than the show itself. I don't know if you remember this 2015 and I know I've mentioned SNL a few times and it's going to start sounding like, you know, I'm more interested in SNL than 22, which is quite the opposite. I mentioned it one, I'll mention it one final time here just to highlight something that happened in 2015. I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do because it is, you know, connected to our roots. SNL had this sketch. It was the win, loser, draw type of game show. And then one of the contestants starts panicking because they're asked to draw the, the, the Prophet Muhammad. And you'd think that that would be a scandal among the Muslim community. Actually, it was a, st- a scandal around the Canadian comedy community because 22 Minutes had uh, had aired a pretty much identical sketch, you know, months earlier. And I, I can't help but think when you're in the writing room and you're under pressure, you might have people just going and looking at like, hey, what are they doing in Denmark? What kind of sketches are they doing in Australia? And maybe that'll, you know, spark some ideas for us. And suggestions of plagiarism, plagiarism, that's the right word. And I would, I would bet, I would bet they took from 22. How dare you, SNL? Well, on that uh, accusation, Ali, really, I, I think it's it's been nice to do this episode and to kind of rewatch those clips for myself personally, to kind of see those mm. ones and really see the impact of it. And as you said, sketch comedy and these, and these shows – you're right. People may not be sitting down and watching a full episode nowadays, just the way we watch stuff. But the sketches and the new satire bits are almost perfect for social media and YouTube, as we talked about. I think about another great comedy show, which I wish was still on because we could do an episode on it, which is the Baroness Vaughn sketch show. I mean, that the amount of people I know just share those those skits, you know, and have you seen this skit? Have you seen this skit? I'm not sure they ever sat down and watched a full episode, but just the the sketches are so funny. And so I find that's the way with 22 minutes too. You can just find a three minute, four minute clip and you remember the, the comedy gold this is. Absolutely. And like yourself, I went down the 22 rabbit hole for a long time. And, and rather than ruining the sketches for people who may not have seen them, I would, I would recommend you just go to YouTube and type in this hour has 22 minutes, top sketches, best sketches over the years. And you will, you'll see this show fires on all cylinders and really has some biting, biting satire. And it's, it, it's great. If you're Canadian, I mean, this is, and you, you have some understanding of the political scene and not just politics, you know, just comedy in general, you know, these sketches about hipsters, these sketches, sketches about pot smoking, all these kind of things. I mean, this, you know, you don't even have to be politically inclined or you don't have to be as much as you, you, you used to be to really appreciate 
uh, this hour. And if you're interested in learning more about the history of 22 Minutes, they actually did a couple of episodes and there's lots of clips online of 22 at 22. So about, you know, eight years ago when it was their 22nd anniversary, they kind of did a retrospective and talked about some of the things we talked about, how they got politicians who is want to poke fun at themselves, who didn't, who was on some of the controversies that came, came across. So uh, check those out. They're also available online and on the CBC website. This hour has 22 minutes, has been recognized over the years with 24 Gemini Awards, 11 Canadian Comedy Awards, and it turns 30 years old in September. I'd recommend you give it some of your time and attention. It's a, it's a, it's a gem. It's a rare, unique gem on the Canadian um, entertainment landscape. So that's our episode for today. Let us know what you thought about it. But remember, this isn't the end of the 22 minutes topic because the next episode, we're going to have an interview with Trent McClellan, co-host of This Hour Has 22 Minutes. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this uh, interview that's coming up. And reach out to us. Let us know what were your favorite 22 minutes uh, clips. Did we miss anything? Anything else you you think we should have covered? DrVComedian at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media, DrVComedian on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we are everywhere. Ali, anything you got coming up? We got your book, September 27th. Book on September 27th, Is There Bacon in Heaven? with Simon & Schuster. You can pre-order that anywhere that you get books. And in the fall, you know, we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, Maybe we'll list your dates in the next couple episodes, but you have a tour coming out, a one-man show tour coming out. Why am I mentioning That's right. this? Like, you should be mentioning this, but it's <laughs> and it's West Coast you're doing at the beginning? It's West Coast. I mean, it starts in mid to late October, so that's why I haven't mentioned it yet. Obviously, I was going to mention it, Asif. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know how good I am at self-promoting. Mm-hmm. That was obviously going to come up, but I was saving it for September. Well, yeah, let's concentrate in the book, and then we can talk a bit more about that tour uh, maybe after, after the book comes out. And just remember that although I'm a doctor... I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.